0: Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Good morning once again, and thank you for the opportunity to be here. I especially want to thank Barb Ross. And I hope when I'm done, you'll want to thank her too. I will be completely honest and say that I first met Barb in 1970 or 71, when my father was called to take the pastorate of two churches there in Steubenville, Ohio. My brother says that He always knew when Barb was coming over to babysit us because my mother would make a specific dish for Barb to pull out of the oven and feed us. When I moved to Southern California in 1999, Barb and I reconnected, and that's something I've always cherished about life in the church. You just never know when you're going to bump into someone you knew years ago, or someone who knew your parents, or your third grade teacher, or in my case, true story, the brother of the woman who shared a hospital room with my mother when I was born. So I bring you greetings from your long-lost friends, your sisters and brothers and others in my home church, Irvine United Congregational in California, and those in the 25 other churches I've had the privilege of being part of during my life, from Ramona, California to Milford, Maine. Thank you. In Southern California, I began serving as an interim minister, leading six congregations over a 10-year period through their pastoral transitions. And I thought this morning that I might share a few things that I've found thought-provoking as you embark on that journey yourselves. Let's begin by reflecting on the gospel story that was shared just a few minutes ago. Thank you, Lucy. It happens to be the lectionary selection for today, in case you're curious. Canadian Herbert O'Driscoll has suggested that what really happened before the Gospel writers cleaned it up might be something like this. It's the middle of the gospel, so it's the middle of his ministry. And Jesus has been working hard, healing, teaching, and he's tired. And he decides to take the disciples on a little vacation. So they head north, out of their territory, and they're walking through the fields along the coast, enjoying some peace and quiet. When a woman appears. And somehow or other, she recognizes Jesus, or at least she recognizes a presence and a power, and she says, my daughter is sick, and I know you can heal her. Will you help me? And he does what we all do. He ignores the email. He doesn't call back. The gospel says He said not a word. Maybe if she thinks he didn't hear her, she'll go away. But of course she doesn't. And she says, I'll try again. I have a sick child. Will you heal her? And he gets a bit testy. And he says, well, you see, back there, I've got a job. But here, I'm off. And I'm sorry, but that's the way it's gotta be, healthy boundaries and all that. Nevertheless, you might say she persisted. And he turns to her, and the word he uses is no nicer in English than in Hebrew. And she flinches, but then she says, all right, you have talked about dogs crawling under the table, but I love my child, and I know what you can do. Now, for the last time, will you heal my daughter? And suddenly, something opens inside him. And as she challenges his half-conscious and comfortable presumptions, he grows. Maybe not comfortably, but he does. And he says, yes! I know it bothers a lot of people to think of Jesus growing of him exiting Mary's womb not fully perfect. But unless we allow Jesus that possibility of growing, he really isn't much use to those of us who so often so uncomfortably need to grow and change and become better. The time ahead will call you to stretch, to question the habits and preconceptions you've fallen into, to grow and even, perhaps, to change, especially in ways you wouldn't automatically think of and aren't sure you're ready for. But the world has been changing all around you. So how could it be otherwise? Even the most progressive and open churches I've served have come face-to-face with something unexpected and not quite comfortable, something they had to deal with or risk becoming irrelevant. In the movie City Slickers, Curly the Grizzled Ranch Hand, played by Jack Palance, and Billy Crystal's greenhorn dude are riding along the trail, talking about life and life choices and so on. And Curly finally turns and says, do you know what the secret of life is? And Billy Crystal says, no, what? This, says Curly. Your finger, asks Billy Crystal. And Curly replies, one thing, just one thing. Stick to that and everything else don't mean nothing. That's great, says Billy, but what's the one thing? And Curly looks him in the eye and says, that's what you've got to figure out. In an unsettled time of transition, it's tempted, tempting to make the easy, comfy choices, to dig in, retrench, stick to the tried and true, the habits that got you here. Yet it's on the last night of his life when sa- things seemed uncertain at best that Jesus then says to his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Pastor and author Rob Bell suggests that God is always ahead. Not behind us, calling us back to some golden age in the past, but out in front of us, inviting us to go further up and further in to the expansive future. Look ahead with hope. Step into your future with courage and be bold in confronting the call to change and to grow. If you stick to the good news of justice and peace, hope and compassion that comes from Jesus, striving evermore to reach out and welcome in, then I am sure you will find the giver of the dream in your midst helping you dare to do new things. Now, I admit that to stretch, to question, to grow, to change will require more than just a vague hope that something's around the river bend. We come into places like this and depart them again from a country, a neighborhood, a workplace, perhaps even a family, experiencing deep divisions and enormous distrust. The nature and potential future of all our institutions has changed since March of 2020. My home church dared to call a new senior pastor in the midst of the pandemic. But the situation she entered was a very different one than was described in the local church profile. And that has remained so, even after we safely and successfully reopened. Our church, perhaps not unlike yours, is still unsure of the way forward, still trying new things, or trying to try, still short-staffed, still waiting for people and giving to return to pre-pandemic levels. In the mess and muddle of daily life, in the long days between Sundays, when our dreams bump up against harsh reality, it can be easy To get discouraged, to doubt the dream and its giver, especially when others so brashly claim that our ideals and our illusion and our open-heartedness is soft-headed. There's a scene in a 345-year-old story that captures both that reality and the hope that continually seeks to bubble up from underneath it. Not many people read John Bunyan's A Pilgrim's Progress anymore. But you might. In the midst of that story, the main character, Christian, is on a journey. And he's trying to get to, guess, the Celestial City. Christian, the Celestial City, you get it. And at one point, he's got a friend traveling along with him. I think his name is Mr. Standfast. And at this point, they're going up this long, slogging hill. And it's not a dramatic mountain climb that you can cheer and congratulate yourself on at the top. It's just slow and boring. And all the thrill has gone out of the journey, and it's easy to start wondering if it's all worth it. And just then, down over the brow of the hill, rides a smartly-dressed, magnificent fellow, and he pulls up and he says, ''Hi, my name is Worldly Wise Man. Where are you going?'' And Christian is terribly embarrassed to say his destination. He feels a fool, he feels naive, he feels unsophisticated. Just like these days, Christians like us stare dumbfounded at the hatred and hurt promoted by some who try to claim the name of Jesus, not altogether sure if we're in the right anymore. Where are you going? And Christian sort of kicks at the ground and hems and haws, well, actually, he says, well, you know, we're going to the celestial city, but you know how it is. And worldly wise man throws his head back and laughs. And he says, well, man, this is your lucky day because I have been all the way. And I've got news for you. There is no celestial city. And there's dead silence. And Christian is absolutely crushed. But as he sinks to the ground in despair, his friend Mr. Standfast says some words. Words that have become very famous. King George used them to rally Londoners during the Battle of Britain. Mr. Standfast looks at his doubting friend and says, what Christian, no celestial city? But did we not see from the mountains the beautiful city of God? in the face of obstacles and opposition. When resources seem slim and hope frail and strength faltering, it is times like this when we feel ourselves pulled toward the easy, comfy choices, the uncontroversial, the safe. Times like this when we Lose hold of the dream that is in us and the call of the giver. And yet here you are in a place that is about nothing if not grand dreams, surrounded by others who have heard that gospel call, however faintly, who have believed its power and possibility, however falteringly, did we not see from the mountains the beautiful city of God? I hear Dosha Carlson and her voice saying that. Every congregation I served as interim minister had a moment, usually several, when they wondered if they would ever find a new pastor, if they would ever restore their membership or regain their financial stability or fulfill the vision that guided them in their best moments. My answer was always that yes, yes, they could. As so many other churches before them, like them, had done. And that is my answer to you for the question you have not asked me yet. Yes, you can. And that is my prayer for you until you see it for yourselves. But did we not see from the mountains the beautiful city of God? Did we not see from the mountains the beautiful city of God? It is just because there are pale moments like this, when together we glimpse and even faintly experience the hoped for the promised future from far away. Just because of that, that we are able to journey toward it through the long places where the mountains obscure the view. May you behold your dream anew and hear God's call afresh and set your feet hopefully in Jesus' steps and courageously face the sometimes uncertain journey before you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online giving Beatitudes Radio Empowering People to Enrich Society